world. It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen. Coming at you Monday through Friday, every single weekday. So make it a part of your daily routine and make it your first listen every day. Tell your friends to do the same while you're at it. Locked On Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, we're talking Blazers' first impressions on Tuesday evening. They they played the first preseason game. First time we've seen this new iteration on the court. They eventually beat down the New Zealand Breakers at the Moda Center. We'll, uh, we'll do our fastest recap in the West. We'll talk about that game. Talk about what we learned um, and what we still need to know and some of the decisions that will be made through the final week of preseason, which wraps up uh, next Monday. So... Let's go. Do what we do. Uh, If you are new to the program, this is your fastest recap in the West. Blazers were tied with the Breakers 23-23 after one. Portland went nearly four minutes before scoring a second basket to open the game. They scored early with Scoot Henderson getting a bucket. And nearly four minutes later, DeAndre Ayton finally scored 23-23 after one. They're up 43-39 at the break, um, but it was going to be a three-point game. Amphrey Simons hit two threes in the final minute. Nice, nice-looking jumpers from Ants. Uh, still can really shoot it off the bounce to make it a nine-point game at the break. Starters didn't really play after halftime. Uh, Scoot Henderson played for three minutes. Shaden Sharp, who was part of the regular rotation, played for three minutes. Jabari Walker, part of the regular rotation, played for three minutes. And then Deep Bench finished it out, but the Blazers stretched their lead up 60 to 58-50, to uh, 18-point advantage heading into the fourth quarter, and cruised to a 106-66 win thanks to, to Monty Kamara, who had 13 points, three boards, and three assists in the fourth quarter after going scoreless in a four-and-a-half-minute shift in the third. Plus, Kevin Knox came in and had 13 points in six minutes in the fourth quarter after not playing in any of the first three quarters. And then then they blew the game open, and that was that. That's your fastest recap in the West. Um, Limited box scores in preseason. The game does not matter. The results do not matter. The what matters, like what they did, and the, excuse me, the how matters, like how they did things, how they went about things, but like the results, the like what happened. I'm not we're when when the uh when the regular season comes, the fastest recap in the West will include a quick rundown of the box score, but we're not gonna do that during the preseason because it truly is not particularly meaningful. Um I I I think I think we learned a couple things. Um one, and this is the big one you know, they, they played poorly to start this game. Like I mentioned, it took them nearly four minutes to score a second field goal. And I want to talk about the bumpy start a little bit in the second segment. And we'll talk about the young guys. Uh, I thought Camaro had a really nice fourth quarter and I, I wanted to get excited and he gave it me reason to believe. We'll talk about him to close the show. But I think the big takeaways from the fourth, from the first preseason game is just like, we kind of know what the rotation is going to look like. Chauncey Billups has, has typically kind of shown what he's going to do in the pre in the exhibition season, you know what he's going to do in the regular season by what he does in, in the exhibition season. There's no no real surprises here from him. Typically, obviously there could be things can change. He's only been a coach for for two years. He could completely change in year three. But I think he showed us exactly how it's going to shake out. The starters that I've been guessing at all year started this game. Got Scoot Henderson, Anthony Simons, Matisse Thybul, Jeremy Grant, DeAndre Ayton. No, no nothing surprising about that. Um, it's 
uh, that was kind of obvious how, how that was going to go. Um, Robert Williams did not play in this game. The explanation was that he showed up late for training camp and he's still ramping up. Uh, I, I will note that Malcolm Brogdon did. I read that as can't be a, can't be a positive for Rob Williams. Not necessarily negative, but cannot be a positive that he didn't play in this game. Uh, but the gra- it's either completely neutral or bad. Uh, let's go with completely neutral for now. Completely neutral. But you saw those starters. First two subs off the bench were Shaden Sharp and Malcolm Brogdon. So they started. So when the first sub happened, they played a three-guard lineup look with Anthony Simons, Malcolm Brogdon, Shaden Sharp. As long as Malcolm Brogdon is on the roster, Shaden Sharp's minutes are likely going to come majority as in three-guard looks with him playing small forward. Maybe you don't. Maybe you want to just call him a wing. You know, that's fine with me. You want to call him a wing, but he's going to be playing next to two guards as a as a very clear three. Um, in, in most of the looks. Uh, importantly, Chauncey Phillips only played eight guys in the first half. He treated this largely like um, the first two quarters, largely like he would have treated a regular season game to my read. So you get Brogdon and you get Sharp off the bench. You get Jabari Walker, who's clearly the sort of young forward who's ahead of the other young forwards right now. You know, he was here last year. Tamani Kamara's a rookie. Chris Murray's a rookie. Um, it's like... he. It makes sense that Walker is ahead of them in the pecking order. He might st- he might stay that way. Um, it, that might flip flop a little bit, but I don't think there's any question right now today. Jabari Walker is part of the night one rotation ahead of both Murray and Kamara. Then the eighth spot. That one went to Moses Brown. And what I got to say to that is congrats congratulations Moses Brown. You've made the roster. Um, that's you know he's making the team. I, I think there's. Sometimes it's you just got to follow the basic logic to figure these things out. Um, of the training camp guys, Moses Brown is the only one that got a small guarantee on his contract. He got a guarantee just for signing $250,000. Follow the money. The reason why they wanted to give him guaranteed money is because they want him to be part of the plan when he's the only, you know, it's not a it's not 100%, but it's like, that's the first data point. The second data point is when they playing their regulars, playing their, you know, here are the guys who are going to play uh, type of minutes. That's that's what it looks like with with um, with Moses Brown ahead of clearly ahead of Duop Reith, and he's clearly your third center. He's he's making the team. Can, uh, congratulations to Moses Brown. Um, I also, you know, Kevin Knox did he, he did media day, and then he didn't play in the first three quarters, and then he played very briefly in the fourth. It was it was a little bit curious that he didn't play, but it was like mostly younger, newer players, and that. Um, in that third quarter stint, uh, because if you're going to play a little bit of Jabari Walker, and a little bit of Chris Murray, and a little bit of Tamani Kamara, there's just not forward minutes for Knox to play. Um, it, plus, Rupe are out on the court, uh, and two-way legend Skylar Mays. Knox comes in a little bit of the fourth quarter. You know, he did media day. There's, it would be very funny, and I will make fun of the Blazers a lot. And they made Kevin Knox do media day. He doesn't make the team. So I think we have a lot of data to suggest what this is going to look like when the season starts. You've got your top eight. You got your starters that, you know, Scoot, Ant, Matisse, Jeremy Grant, Deandre Ayton. Then you've got your bench guys that, you know, Shaden Sharp, Malcolm Brogdon. When he's healthy, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be Rob Williams. I think directly behind him, you've got Moses Brown, uh, then you've got, um, you know, the Chris Murray, the end of the bench with guaranteed contracts, Ryan Rupert, Kamara, Kevin Knox. 
That's 14 roster spots taken up. The three two-way spots are taken up with John Butler Jr., with uh, with Abu Baji, excuse me, and with Skylar Mays. That means that there is one spot left. The Blazers don't have to carry 15 but they can stay under the luxury tax and carry 15. I think they should. But I think what we learned in game one was what the rotation and what the sort of peck in order is is looking like. I think we have, I think we have pretty clear evidence who's making the team, who's playing in the early rotation, what the early season group is going to look like. Jabari Walker's part of the early plan. Um, you're going to get, you're going to get Shaden, a bunch of Shaden minutes at small forward because that's the only place he can play. That's what we learned. The other thing we learned is that this is going to be a bumpy little transition. The starting group did not look particularly good. I don't think it's a big deal, but it is factual. Let's talk about that rocky work in progress looking start from the regulars, and then we'll talk about the youngsters to close the show. Join me in the second segment. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you about Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves and the ones they love during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so they're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace, Jace Medical makes sure you have that medication in hand. And Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to get you started to the licensed pharmacy medication delivery so you can get it and then the ongoing consultation and care so you know what to do once you have it. So don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code, LOCKEDON. You can do that at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. All right. So, we know what it's going to look like. We know the top eight. I think that was, there was there weren't a ton of questions about who was going to be in that top eight group and how it was going to look and, and was sort of, I think the Moses Brown stuff is telling. Congrats. Congrats to Mo, as they're calling him on the team. The other thing we learned is that this is just um, this is going to be a little bit bumpy to get it going. A little bit bumpy. Like I said, it took them four minutes to score a second bucket. Um, in the first half, the Blazers had 15 made field goals and 14 turnovers. Almost a one-to-one turnover-to-made shot ratio. It was gross, right? Like, they shot under 40%. They just... They weren't good on offense. And they weren't this one like they were really good on defense or whatever, but like they were playing a not a not NBA caliber team and they really kind of struggled to get into a rhythm. They never got out and ran and looked good running really with any consistency. They just were they were just were rocky. They looked like a, a group of guys who had not played together because they are a group of guys who have not played together. It is not surprising by any means. I think this is kind of about where you would have guessed they might have been. You're probably hoping they're a little further along. Was a reasonable guess is where they might have been. I don't think this is a reason to panic. Like if you if you thought this team was going to be like the seventh best team in the West and they kind of looked like this, maybe you're panicking. But I think like reasonable, most reasonable folks. I like yeah, young group and even the veterans, brand new, barely played together at all. Um, new era, starting a teenage point guard, all these things. Like it's gonna, it's gonna take a little while. Showed flashes. Scoot had a couple passes that showed flashes. Oh, real quick, um, <laughs> I watched this game on a um, 
an extra legal broadcast because it was not on um, it was not on League Pass. I started listening to the radio. Uh, shout out to Travis Demers until I could find uh, could find the uh, a stream that worked for me. Um, it's not abnormal for teams to not broadcast these sort of like non non official exhibition, but not official preseason games. But it is a really weird thing that the Blazers' first game of the Scoot Henderson era was like totally inaccessible. I don't think it's like unique to Portland. Uh, other teams have done this. The Blazers even did this last year when they played um, the Israeli team. That game wasn't on TV, but it did have a league pass feed, which was just like the Jumbotron feed. Um, it was harder to watch than it should have been. It feels like it feels like it was just unnecessarily difficult to watch. But that's a conversation for another day. In fact, it's getting harder to watch this team. Period. For fans, I'm gonna talk about that that on a show later this week because. It shouldn't be as much of a challenge as it is to enjoy the Portland Trailblazers on your television, and boy, is it. But in any case, uh, so I'm 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 watching this game, and I'm I'm you know, and it's and it's gross. It's like it's it's tough. I'm not super. I'm not I'm not getting. I'm not panicking by any means. But I I will say this. I don't think they treated this like a game that they really needed to win. And what I mean by that is that Jeremy Grant didn't take a shot in the second quarter. And Amphrey Simons didn't really get sort of like ISO go get it looks until the last, and he didn't, he, he could have taken them. He didn't, um, he didn't command like, I'm just going to shoot it in transition type of off the dribble threes until the, till the final minute of the quarter, right? They were trying to run stuff. They were trying to run stuff. Um, and I think that's good process. Was it good results? No, the results were gross. <laughs> but it was good, like, I understand the process. Okay, we're super young. We've got a rookie point guard. Um, we want to make sure that we're getting into our sets. We are running actions we like to run. It's not like they were running, like, elaborate sets and getting caught up. They were just running, hey, we want to run, uh, you know, they ran some horn stuff in the first half a little bit. So they ran some, um, a, a lot of just, like, spread, pick, and roll. They ran some... Uh, a couple other where they sort of split the floor. I don't know the the language that they use for it, where they split the floor with two guards and the, the pass triggers the action type of thing um, when they had Ants and Scoot and then when they had Malcolm and Scoot. And like, um, you know, they were running stuff. They were running actions to get shots. But like, if this is a game they need to win and they're struggling like they were struggling, I think they might just say like, hey, ISO for Jeremy and let him try to score, right? Like they might scrap their sets and say, let's give the ball to one of our best players and let him score. I think DeAndre Ayton was probably their best offensive player. And and I, it strikes me that a big, 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 big thing for DeAndre Ayton this year is going to be decision-making in the middle of the floor. Not just double teams off pick and rolls, because I don't know how heavily the non-Amphrey Simons are going to get doubled this year. Um, I, I don't think teams will hard double scoot right away in his career. I don't think he'll command that. Hopefully he does eventually, and I think he will because he's going to be good. But like, I don't think scoot, I don't think October, October, November scoot is going to command double teams. Ant might because he can really shoot off the dribble. Not just off double teams, but just set a screen and when you have to cut your roll short because you can't get all the way to the rim because you need to be an outlet or when they just use him out of the high post in action that the Blazers have ran a lot with Yusuf Nurkic last year where he would get a touch at the top of the key and get to make decisions. Aiden has not been a playmaker very much in his career. Um, he, you know, he had a dribble handoff to Scoot where Scoot just like had a wide open lane and an assist for the early bucket. But like, um, 
DeAndre Ayton's, it doesn't, it's not necessarily assists might, might not be the way to measure this, but like, you'll have to watch it to see it, but his decision-making in the middle of the floor is going to be crucial because he's going to get touches out there and that's going to allow them to spread. And I don't think, um, at least night one, I don't think that the Blazers were like, I don't think Matisse Thibel and Jeremy Grant were treated as like knockdown shooters. Jeremy Grant shot 40% from three last year. He's a knockdown shooter. Matisse Thibel in his brief Blazers run shot very well from three. Um, he's probably going to have to prove it before NBA defenses treat him like a shooter. But um, if you are hugging the paint because you maybe don't respect the shooting of the of Scoot when he's off the ball, though he had a good-looking shot from the outside, and and Matisse and, and maybe... Um, you know, they're helping off Jeremy Grant unless until he really gets going, although they probably won't hug off him entirely. But he's like a, you know, a career kind of like slightly above league average shooter, at least in recent seasons, slightly above league average shooter. So um, we'll, I don't think the Blazers are getting treated on off-ball plays like they're just knocked down burners from three, or at least they weren't in night one of exhibition season against a non-NBA team. And if they're not, Aiton's ability to make decisions in the middle of the court because it's not going to be a wide-open paint is going to be really helpful to get them to do what they do. But like I said, if this had been a, like, a regular season game, one, they would have been up nine and played their starters in the second half instead of just like um, Scoot Sharp and Jabari Walker for three minutes and then the deep bench. But they would have just run more stuff for Amphrey Simons. Like they would have said, okay, Ant is the guy who gets us going. They would have run more stuff for Jeremy Grant. He didn't take a shot in the second quarter. It's like, you know, he struggled a little bit in the first quarter, but it's like he would have, they would have got him the ball and said, hey, we need to run some stuff for Jeremy because our offense is in the mud. They would have gotten out the mud. I think I think playing the process is the right thing to do, right? Like, okay, we want to play the right way because if we continue to play the right way, we're building these habits and then the right results will come. But I will say that the right way night one looked a little rocky. Brand new team, brand new team. Brand new team that's probably, you know, it's like a brand new team I don't think it's going to be super good anyway. So um, my expectations are that they look more fluid as we go forward, not that they look like world beaters. They play Thursday night. They play the Phoenix Suns. We'll see who plays for Phoenix, but it's at least an NBA team, uh, and it'll be, um, it'll be, they don't need to make leaps and bounds, right? It, it, it might be 20 games into the season as they slowly build this thing, right? This brand stinking new. I don't think there's any reason to panic about it looking rocky early, but you want to see them get a little bit better each night. You want to see them take steps in the, for the most part, uh, progress is not always linear, but you want to see them take steps in the right direction during the preseason. So you have stuff to build on. Okay. When the, when the starters got out of there, the bench guys played, and I want to talk about what we saw from the Blazers, sort of end of the bench, young guys, who can break into the rotation, and my belief into Monty Kamara. Let's talk about that to close the show. Join me in the third segment, won't you? Still a pass, first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked On Blazers. The end of the Blazers' first preseason game featured uh, a lot of youngsters getting action. Uh, Blazers started the second half with Scoot, Shaden Sharp, Chris Murray, Jabari Walker, and Duop Reith. Um, you know, Reith and Murray didn't play in the first half. And then when Scoot and Shea and Walker sat, we got Tumani Kamara, we got Ryan Rupert, and we got a lot of Skylar May. Skylar, the only two-way guy who played, Baji and uh, Butler Jr. did not see the court. Um which, you know, I think, like I was talking about in the first segment, gives you a sense of where Tumani Kamara is. 
He's behind Jabari Walker, believably, and he's probably behind Chris Murray in the pecking order now. But things can change when it's close, and it is obviously close. Um, when I talked with Brendan Clean, we did a show about the uh, the use of Nurkish DeAndre Ayton swap and gave our sort of perspectives about the center switching sides, and I, I asked him for his thoughts on Kamara, and he got me pretty excited about Tumani Kamara. He got me pretty excited. You know, 23-year-old rookie, Spent, you know, went to college at Georgia and Dayton comes, you know, second, 52nd pick in the draft, a second round pick, uh, but was the Suns have super limited options for who to give contracts to because of their super top heavy. Um, it's like they don't have natural way to build any depth, super top heavy roster. So giving Tamani Kamara a real contract was a, you know, a sign that's like, we have faith in this person to be an NBA player. If not immediately, then soon, because um, he's, you know, a six, eight toolsy wing. And, and, and Brendan got me pretty excited about um, Kamari's Kamara's potential, maybe not his immediate production, but his potential. So, I and I, I took notes during this game, and I, and I wrote down in, in after his first four minutes and forty eight seconds in the third quarter. I want to believe in Tamani Kamara, but he hadn't done anything. He was scoreless, and he struggled. And it was like he had a couple where, couple times where he just dribbled to nowhere, right? Like he caught the ball, attacked hard off two dribbles. You know, either someone was in his way or got cut off, and he was just like, up, oh, up, oh, up, oh, up. Oh, don't don't know where to go. Like it was clear he was just. Hadn't figured out where he was going to fit in. Hadn't found his rhythm. Come off the bench in your first five minutes in the game. It's like, I don't know. That's not a, that's not exactly like good judgment, but it's like, it's not a fair judgment rather. But like, I, it's like, yeah, he just, he does. He looks a little out of sorts here. And I, I wanted to believe, but, um, then the fourth quarter happened. He had 13 points in that fourth quarter. He had three boards. He had three assists, uh, he made threes. He had a nice little cut, cut uh, baseline cut for a dunk. I really like the baseline cut for a dunk because if you watch that play again, and you can't <laughs> because it wasn't on TV anywhere, but I was able to watch it a couple times. I actually think the Blazers probably have it on social media because it's a dunk. Probably have the probably the highlight. But the beginning of that play, he actually cuts from like a, the wing, not like the straight corner, but a little higher up, like for a lob. And he puts his hand up for a lob and nobody throws it to him. And so he backs back out to the corner and then he makes the read again and cuts baseline on a, on a drive and gets an easy two-handed dunk. And it's like, he was, he had, he saw it, right? Like he saw that he was going to have space if he worked that baseline. He worked it once, didn't get it. He went back, worked it again and got it and got the dunk. Like he was figuring it out. He had his threes. He's, he's big. He can dribble a little bit. None of the passes he made were high level passes, but he just made the right read. One time pass it to do Aprith who was missing a shoe and made a little layup. Um, I, I, I like, this is confirmation bias, right? At its highest. I wanted to believe in Kamara. I wrote down in my notes, I want to believe in Tamani Kamara because I was going to say like, I want to believe, but I haven't seen it yet. Like that was going to be the, that was going to be the rest of the note. And then I believe now, do I think he's like a starting quality NBA player right now? No, not really. But I think he could be part of the Blazers young rotation. I think he could challenge uh, eventually very quickly challenge Jabari Walker for those backup, uh, backup forward minutes for sure. Um, He's the right size. He's got some defensive tools that I like. He had a play where he, uh, was, the guy scored on it, but he, he cut off the dribble and then he had a really good contest, but the dude hit a, hit a little fadeaway jumper. Like I, I like, um, I like some of what he brings to the court. I am excited about him in a way that you are excited about a second round rookie that you have seen play a total of 13 minutes. I, I was, I, I, I was into him. I, I, I want confirmation bias. I wanted to believe now I believe, um, 
the other guys that are kind of, so I, I mentioned those like basically 14 spots that are spoken for Kevin Knox, making the team, Moses Brown, making the team. I, I think that would be, those would be kind of stunners if they didn't, they're, they're making the team. That's 14. They have got 12 guaranteed contracts. Um, those two would be the non-guaranteed guys, although Brown has a partial guarantee. So there's one spot remaining. Um, conceivably it's between Justin Manaya and Duop Reith. Like that, that's who it seems to be. I guess there is a world in which they convert Skylar Mays' contract to a regular contract and waive someone else, but they have Skylar Mays on a two-way deal and they can just keep him there. There's no real threat. They can do that down the line. Um, they can also keep a 15th roster spot with a fully non-guaranteed deal, which means that it doesn't guarantee until January 10th or the 11th, but like, uh, into January. So they would no risk. You just get paid every day. You're on the roster until, until then. So if they were to make a trade and needed a roster spot, that's like simply done and you don't have uh, a financial constraints that go beyond and that would make you a tax team and all sort of complications that could come with it. So I, I think the 15th roster spot likely comes down to Manaya and Duop Reith. Um, I like Reith. Like I liked him in the in the summer league. Um, I kind of I like his style. I like that he wears a headband. I like that he shoots threes. Um, I like that he's kind of groundbound. Like he's not a, he's not a leaper, but he's he's physical. I worry a little bit about his in this game specifically. Not didn't operate super smoothly in tight spaces, and I worry that that gets even more exacerbated when you go against NBA level athletes and they crowd you more, and their and their athleticism can make just make spaces smaller, right? Because they can take up more room with their speed and their strength and their length and their and their jumping ability. Um, doesn't mean that he couldn't be a backup center and play some like positive, particularly on this team. Third center is what we're talking about. Couldn't doesn't mean that Reith couldn't be a third center. It's just if I were taking a flyer, Moses Brown is is has more length, better rebounder, better shot blocker, and is four years younger. It's just like a better flyer to take. I will celebrate if Reith's on the roster. I like him, but um, I wouldn't pick him over Brown if I were building this roster in sort of a most pragmatic way. Uh, the other guy, Justin Manaya, um, he's not an NBA player, but I like him. I really, I really... Um, He's got good length. He has good, act, really good activity on defense. Like he gets after it on defense. Not a lot of other positives to his game, I would say. But like, you can see that sort of like wing defender athlete role that he is knows how his how he's going to make it in the league, and he plays that to a T. And I appreciate guys who know what they do. I appreciate anyone who knows their job and goes and does their job. Um, he's he's enjoyable. Um, am I? Am, is this like the most preseasony Mike you've ever experienced? Is that it's like Duop Reef? I like him. Mo, <laughs> Tamani Kamara, I like him. Justin Manaya, I like. Yeah, no, that's it. Is it is this is pr true preseason? Like, I'm not trying to sell you on these guys being super good or super high level contributors or anything. I'm just like, we've we have reached a point where the Blazers are super young. They're not going to be a particularly competitive team by my eye this year, but they're going to be a really enjoyable team. And I am going to even enjoy them down to the 15th man, even if they lose 50 games. Like I, I will, I will very earnestly enjoy the roster. No, no, no doubt about it. Okay. I want to close with one other thought here. Last year, if you're, if you're a long time listener, I appreciate you. Thanks for rocking with the show. If you're a new listener, uh, long time listener, remember this, but if you're a new listener, Last year was the first year that I kind of said, okay, I'm going to take preseason seriously. I'm going to say that this matters. And the Blazers looked, um, they looked like buns during, <laughs> during the preseason. They looked bad. Um, and 
then they were not a very good basketball team all year long. You know, they were flirting somewhere between 8, 10, and 13th in the West for the entire season. They were basically never competitive after the first 15 games. They were, they were, it went, it went wrong at the end of November and they never got right again. Uh, they just had a nice start to the season, but they were bad. I mean, like, I think sometimes I feel bad about saying that, but like, I think objectively they were not a good basketball team last year. And they were not a good basketball team in preseason. They were clearly going to be awful on defense. Um, the offense didn't look good. Turns out the offense was great because they had Damian Lillard and they were freaking nuts. From They were the number one offense in the league from December 1st to March 1st when, when Dame got healthy and got back. Um, he, he started playing the, the, like December 5th. But from December 1st to March 1st, they were the best offense in the league. And they still weren't any good because <laughs> the defense was so bad. But like... I think preseason matters in the way that it's like, yeah, that's you see the you see the 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 sort of the bones, you see the structural parts of what they're going to be. You can grow. This team's going to grow a lot. I think they're going to be a lot better when in the spring than they are in the fall. Um, I hope I hope so at least. Um, won't be as fun of a season if they're not. But um, but like. You start to see it. But this season, my expectations for this team are very different. So instead of like putting a lot of stock into it last year, where I thought the team was, tr- you know, pretty pretty plainly trying to be competitive at what level of competitive, I think is open debate. I think that's I think that's fair to question that. But they were they were at least publicly trying to be competitive, and they had Damian Lillard on the roster. It's hard to not be competitive with him. He's a, he's pretty good at basketball. Um, so. I put more stock into preseason as like they, they they haven't been good. It's a clear sign. Get like get right. Start to not start to panic, but like start to start to accept that this team isn't is just not doesn't have it. I'm not gonna do that this year. Not gonna do that. Baby steps this year. Game one, not so good. Some fun end of the bench stuff. Game two, you want to see them be a little better than not so good and continue to see the fun end of the bench stuff. It matters in that you want to see them do the right things. But I am so much... Last year, I wanted to see good process and good results. This year, I don't care about the results in preseason. If the process is at least somewhat rational, I don't give a, I don't give a hoot about those results. Preseason, officially, it's back after one season of mattering. It doesn't matter. I still think preseason is probably a better predictor than um, Michael of a couple seasons ago ever gave it credit for. But this team is just, it's just, they're just too, it's too new. Every, every part of it is too new to put stock into it. Okay. That is going to do it for today's show. Uh, this is my last one recorded from my parents' basement in North Carolina. I'm headed back to my basement, y'all. This isn't a basement. This is, this is my dad's office. Shout out. Dad, thank you for letting me use your desk. Um, but I'll be back in Portland. The Blazers play Thursday night. Uh, we will have a. You are listening to. Uh, you are listening to Wednesday show. We'll have a show Thursday, and then we'll have a show Friday talking about the Blazers' next preseason game against the Phoenix Suns. That's what we do. Five days a week, wherever you get podcasts, and also on YouTube. Tell your friends about the program. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>